Welcome to Law in the Family, a production of the Pennsylvania Bar Association Family Law Section, providing insights for lawyers about the practice of family law in Pennsylvania. The information shared during this podcast is for general information purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create, and receipt or listening does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and the podcast guests, and don't necessarily represent those of the Pennsylvania Bar Association. Hello and welcome to Law in the Family. I'm your host, Aaron Weems, and with me is Anthony Hoover. Today we're speaking with Chair of the Pennsylvania Bar Association's Family Law Section, Helen Cassell, who's going to speak with us today about what she's done over the past year with her term and also an exciting new video which has been produced related to custody in Pennsylvania. Helen, welcome to the show. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Anthony. Glad to be here. Nice to see you both. Great to see you too. And we're looking forward to seeing you in July in Newport, Rhode Island for the summer meetings for the Pennsylvania Bar Association Family Law Section. And at that meeting, there will be the premiere of a new video. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how it came to fruition? Sure. Happy to. So when I was kind of in line for leadership, I was trying to think about what I can kind of accomplish during my year. And one of the things that I came up with was to produce a video. You guys might remember a few years ago when uh, the Honorable Daniel Clifford was our uh, chair of the family law section. He put into place the production of a video as it related specifically to the interview of a child. And it premiered at his summer meeting, took all year to produce. And we hadn't done one since his year. And that was at least over five years ago. So I was thinking, what other sort of videos that can we do as a family law section that is a good resource for practitioners, for the courts and for our clients? Because the judicial interview interview has been a really big success. I think it's been very instructive for judges across the Commonwealth on how to interview a child, what to think about, what to do. So I wanted to do something similar that was going to be that instructive, but uh, a broader base. Like, what is it that we can do to help our clients, these litigants, understand what it's like to be in a kind of a custody situation when they are learning how to co-parent? What are the things that they need to know that they may not understand? And sometimes as practitioners, we can explain it until we're blue in the face, but until they actually see an example of it, they don't get it. So that's what this video is about. It's really about co-parenting and communication between those co-parents and what they need to do for the benefit of their children. I mean, that sounds like it's going to be such a useful tool for attorneys and clients. And can you tell us a little bit about the process that went into creating it, the, some of the professionals that you incorporated into the, into the foundation of what you're trying to produce? Sure. So first and foremost, I had to find people within the section that were willing to help, that thought this was a good idea, and that were going to kind of take this on for me. So it was about finding the right folks to help me out with it. And that was certainly one of the best moves I ever made was finding Carolyn Zach, Christina DiMatteo, Kelly Fazzini, and Colleen Norcross to help facilitate this idea that was in my head and actually bring it to fruition, like you said, Aaron. And they, they certainly did that. They kind of took my idea and ran with it. The other good news was that since the section had already produced a video, we already had a production company that we had worked with before, the Howie Media Group. And our director, Brandon, helped out with the judicial interview video, and he helped us with this one as well. And he was terrific. The media group was fantastic. And so 
we kind of started that process, guys, a little bit before I even became chair because we knew it was going to take more than a year to put this all together. So I kind of started this video task force, I want to say in April of 2021. We started figuring out who we were going to use to direct the video, what were the costs going to be, getting it approved through council, and leading up to me actually becoming chair in July of 2021, we had already kind of set the groundwork. And then that was just the beginning. And I can talk to you a little bit about kind of what it looked like throughout the year if you want me to do that. Yeah, tell us all about it. Yeah, tell us about the, the process of getting it done because I do think it's interesting to hear for people that might not necessarily be that hooked into doing things with the section to maybe hear a little bit about the process and the, and the, and the players that were involved. Sure. And you think about producing a video and you think it's going to be so daunting. And, and it was. But like I said, if you have the right people involved and a big enough group, it starts to become a little bit easier and it's, it's much smoother. You know, it's all about delegating and figuring out who's good at what and putting them in those places. And that's kind of what we did with the task force. So we started getting on Zoom meetings with the people that wanted to be involved, not only those who were co-chairing like Carolyn and Christina and Kelly and Colleen, but the rest of the section members that heard about my idea and wanted to be involved. We put together a script from the very beginning and thought about what do we want this to look like? And what we wanted it to look like was we wanted to give people examples of, for example, a transition during a custody time when dad drops off the kids and mom's supposed to be getting the kids. What should that look like? And it might sound like, well, we all know what it should look like. But for, for our clients, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't realize what it is that they're doing, their facial expressions, their body language, their, you know, what it is that they're actually saying in the presence of the children. So we wanted to kind of do vignettes throughout the course of the video that showed here's the bad example and here's the good example. And so in order to do that, we needed actors, <laughs> which there are a lot of family law section members who are you know, very good in front of the camera. And we found them. We also found another family that our director was friends with that they were interested in being involved. So we put together a series of vignettes that included three separate families and filmed them doing actual either a custody exchange where they drive up into the driveway and exchange the children or where they're texting back and forth. And we have the texts on the video to see what their language looks like. And, you know, a situation where dad drops off the kids and brings his girlfriend, you know, so, so we kind of tried to think of those different examples that are typical of our clients but, you know, they may not even be seeing it themselves and tried to put those different vignettes together. I did a bad example of one. This is what you shouldn't be doing. And this is what you should be doing. And I think it was really instructive. And from like a publication standpoint. So, again, this seems extremely helpful from an attorney standpoint. You know, where can we access it? Is it something like downloadable, be posted on on the PBA website? What's the plan there? Yeah. So the great news is, you know, as we all become more sophisticated in our ability to access media, we don't need a disc anymore. We don't need a thumb drive. All we need is a link. And that's what it is that we're going to be getting. We're going to be premiering the actual video at the summer meeting in Newport, Rhode Island on that Saturday of the summer meeting. And at that time, everybody is going to be able to have the link available so they can watch the full video, which is 45 minutes long. And like I said, it includes those vignettes. But what it also includes is a number of our family court judges and a number of our mental health professionals that we all work with pretty much on a weekly basis, providing their insight throughout. 
giving the viewer an idea of here's what you should be doing and here's what you shouldn't be doing. So even kind of putting all the pieces together for them. And Anthony, what we're going to have at that meeting is the link available to everybody. We will have the link available on our website, on the Family Law Section, PBA Family Law Section website. So if you are a member of the PBA Family Law Section, you will be able to access that link. And the hope is that at some point we'll be able to maybe market it even to other organizations if it becomes a success. So we can kind of get the PBA family law section name out there. Here's what it is that we've done for our constituents throughout the Commonwealth. And this is something perhaps that other states should be doing, or at least that they can access. So everybody should have it available to them uh, by just clicking on the link and being able to watch the video. You know, is this something that you feel like you're going to incorporate into some of your intake with your custody clients? Yeah, great question. And absolutely. You know, so the thought is that You know, we all have those clients that just don't get it. You can talk until you're blue in the face and they don't understand. What this video does is it talks about the concept of BIFF, B-I-F-F, an acronym that we're going to hear a lot about on the video, which is how to communicate with a parent in a brief, informative, friendly and firm way. We all get those emails from the client that they copy us on where this is what I'm sending to my ex-partner and because he didn't bring back the kids on time or whatever it might be. And it's this like long email with all of this language. It calls him out, says he's a terrible person, terrible dad, or, you know, certainly insinuates that he's a bad parent. And really all that client needed to do was talk about in a very brief way. Here was the information I need to provide to my co-parent. I need to be firm about it, but I need to be friendly in a way. And we all know that for clients, that's difficult for them to be friendly with their ex, especially if it's a contested custody case. But, you know, we all know that at some point that email might be evidence at a custody trial or that text. So it's our job to explain to the clients, here's how you need to communicate and the reason why. And that's what this video does. It talks about that BIF response, how to do it how to craft a text, how to craft an email, how to talk to your co-parent. And the comment that you made about the production of this video, specifically about what judges think, I know there's just not a lot of opportunity for attorneys and clients to get a sampling of what judges think. A lot of these disputes certainly make their way into outcomes in custody cases, but you know, reading an opinion that comes out, it, it's tough to see, really. I can't think of really anything else, maybe other than the, uh, you know, the judicial interview of a child video, where getting that direct insight in interviews from family court judges, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. That was important to us to kind of incorporate into the video. We wanted judges to be able to give their perspective on what it is that they're looking at. Like I just said, that email or that text might be, uh, you know, a document presented at a custody trial. And what is it that the judge is thinking? What is it that he or she is looking at when they review that? And the judges in this video do exactly that, Anthony. They take a look at the vignettes and they provide that direct feedback about as judges what they're looking for. And I will tell you, without giving a lot of it away, which it's not very suspenseful, by the way, but without giving a lot of it away, what they're looking at is what's best for the child. And so, for example, the one vignette where the parent pulls up and brings his new girlfriend and has her standing by the car, you know, with her arms crossed and looking all annoyed and kind of chiming in. And then the mom responding and the kids are sitting right there. The judge is able to provide feedback to the viewer on what 
that judge thought about that situation from the dad's perspective and bringing the girlfriend and from the mom's perspective, instead of saying, hey, dad, why don't you come over here? Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about how I'm feeling about you bringing your girlfriend, et cetera, instead of the kids just being there. The clients are hearing that directly from the judge about that's really what it is that should have happened in that particular situation. And that's invaluable, I think, Anthony. So, you know, the original question, which is, would you be using this for your clients? The answer is absolutely. And what you're touching on too, is I think it helps to strengthen some of our advice to clients because clients are always going to think that their situation is absolutely unique for these different reasons. And it's important to express to them that judges see thousands of cases. And even though your case may be unique and specific, Inevitably, people batch things based upon facts and circumstances with what they've seen before. And it sounds what you guys are doing is that by giving these almost sort of sample episodes that it helps put some context into, hey, this is really how the judge is going to perceive this. You know, yes, your girlfriend may have stood there silently and you think that, quote unquote, nothing happened by her being there. But in fact, there are loads of things that can happen within that exchange that the court's going to take into consideration. Absolutely. I mean, it gives it gives us a little bit of credibility. with our clients that, hey, you know what? We actually know what we're talking about. Here's a judge saying the exact same thing in a situation that's very similar to what you're just describing. You know, what's really interesting is in one of the vignettes where we used a family that was a friend of the director's, the two younger children, let's say they were like maybe five and seven, okay? Two young girls. They actually got so upset about what was happening between their parents, even though they were acting. It was all an act. They got so upset that they had to stop production for a little bit so they could kind of calm down and they could explain to them that this is just all for play. We're just acting. Mom and dad aren't really angry. But it goes to show you how kids really internalize all of this and what it is that they do, even when it's not real. Right. So imagine when it's real and how these children are reacting for the parents to be able to see that and to understand it. I would hope that that hits home. You know, we all know that sometimes it doesn't. There are just the clients that can't get past their anger. But, you know, if we can find those that just need a visual to see, oh, you know what? This opened my eyes. I really need to think about how I'm talking, what I'm saying in front of my kids. The other thing that's really helpful, I think, Aaron, is that we have a few mental health professionals that provide their feedback. And we know that our clients are probably you know, if they're in a custody dispute, they're either going through co-parenting counseling or the children are in counseling or they have an individual therapist. So they're exposed to these mental health professionals and the mental health professionals on the video provide their feedback from a therapeutic standpoint. So you have the judge's perspective from kind of this legal standpoint and what they're looking for versus kind of the, the therapeutic standpoint about how it is really impacting the child and what can happen as they get older how it impacts their relationships, how they see their parents, how they react to their parents and how that's going to impact them in their lives in the future. That's excellent. Yeah. And so, Helen, just to pivot here for a little bit in the interview, if you don't mind. Sure. So you've been section chair now for 11 months. I can only imagine the amount of time that you've spent over these 11 months talking to other family law attorneys thinking about the ways to improve family law practice in general, and at the same time, changing family law to benefit our clients and kids and, you know, the whole process. 11 months in, I'm just interested in your in your thoughts of things that, you know, we as family law practitioners need to be working on short-term, long-term, 
and just the practice of family law in general, since that's been your focus now for 11 months. Yeah. And it's been, I, I will say it's been extremely rewarding, really is. I'm not just saying that it has been very time consuming, but not in an overwhelming way. You know, the PBA staff is amazing. Pam Kantz, who handles uh, the family law section, has been just kind of holding my hand throughout the last 11 months. I'm hoping she holds it a little tighter for the last 30 days. <laughs> but, you know, she has gotten me through. And Wendy Lorenzo has been amazing in coordinating the upcoming meetings. You know, we did two, we're doing two in-person meetings during this year. We did the one in Philadelphia at the Lowe's and then our upcoming um, big summer meeting, my grand finale in Newport, Rhode Island in July. I think that it's been a challenge because when I came into the, the thing I wanted to do the most, Anthony, was to try to get the word out about the family law section. Because while we have a number of members, we don't have everybody, right? And we're never going to have all the family law, you know, family lawyers. But I wanted to reach out to those that maybe didn't know what the section can provide to them as far as benefits are concerned and show them that it is worth the money you know, to, to join the PBA and to specifically join the family law section, that it, it's not just something to do or something to put on your resume, that you really can get a lot out of it. And that's been hard because there are so many underrepresented counties out there. It's hard to kind of, you know, I can't go to every county and meet every local um, bar association. So that made it a little bit challenging, but I'm hoping with a video and with these podcasts, which have been amazing, we're reaching more of the family lawyers across the, the state and they'll see kind of what a benefit it is. But you know, as I said, 11 months ago, one of the other things I wanted to focus on was us as an individual, because I think that's so incredibly important to have that balance in our lives. We always tell our clients, or at least I do, that you can't be a good parent without making sure you're taking care of yourself or you're going through this divorce, you're going through a loss, you're experiencing a loss, and it's an extremely emotional time for you. So you want to focus on yourself. Make sure that you're in therapy. Make sure that you're keeping yourself healthy mentally and physically. Well, that goes for attorneys as well, especially family lawyers. So that was one of my other big focus points. And I think we accomplished that. We sent out a survey to all the family law section members about what they thought about health and wellness and what was going to help them in their practice, you know, as far as keeping a balance. Where do they prioritize their practice? And how do they balance their family, spouse, partner, children? And how do they keep themselves healthy, not only mentally, but physically as well? So that was a big focal point for me. And that's been really rewarding. The evaluations were, first of all, we, we got a great response rate, which I was surprised. And some really great feedback that I'm hoping that we can take with us, not only for my year, but going into the future about what we can provide to our members in between these meetings and, and to help them balance their lives. But also got a lot of really funny responses as well. Like, how does somebody unwind? Well, I drink two beers at the end of the night. You know, okay, so that's okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Some people saying that they don't want me to focus on health and wellness. All right, so, you know, so I got some negative feedback and I got some positive feedback from people. People who said that they were really glad that I was focusing on health and wellness. You know, when we're in Newport, we're gonna have a meditation room. Might sound really corny and maybe something that not everybody's interested in, but you don't have to be interested in it. If you want to kind of have some mindfulness throughout the course of the meeting, step into the meditation room, take a couple minutes, 
and relax and unwind. And I think, you know, the, the focus on health and wellness, I would say as a family law attorneys here and other family law attorneys listening, I do think that, and Helen, I'm interested in your thoughts, that the standard by which we all, I don't know, I'm going to say measure ourselves, but I think maybe years ago, it used to be, all right, who's going to bill the most hours, right? Who's going to bring in the most money, most clients, most hours? That's the top. And that's, that's what I think people aspire to, or that's how people measure themselves. And I don't think that's it anymore, at least, or that's now the fading way that family law attorneys, I think, operate. Yeah, it can't be, right? I can't imagine that, you know, that's the top priority for every practicing family lawyer out there. You know, the three of us on this podcast today can think about, okay, how did we end up here? How did we end up practicing family law? And I bet all three of us have different perspectives on how we got here and the reasons why. But the reality is, if that is your priority, if your priority is to build the most, bring in the most clients, bring in the most money, I don't think you can do it without being balanced on some level. You really can't because you may be able to keep that momentum for a period of time. But at some point, the three of us on here know that you're going to get burned out. Because you're having that those conversations with a client that's never going to appreciate you. There is no winning or losing. So there's no you know satisfaction there because in all of these cases, there is a sense of loss for everyone, whether they're going through just a divorce, they're losing money or they're losing their children or, you know, they're losing time at whatever it might be. So we have to find the satisfaction somewhere else. And I have to believe that it's within ourselves. That's the key. Not everybody's going to believe me and not everybody's going to use the meditation room, but that's okay. All right. If I can provide it to somebody that hasn't thought about maybe meditating or doing yoga or just taking, a, you know, we all have these Apple watches that tell us to, well, it's time to stand up or it's time to decompress and think about your mindfulness and take a little bit of time for yourselves. We all don't do it, but if I can put it out there for people, then that's what I want to do. And I think in having the conversation, you're helping to facilitate people opening their minds to what that might be for them. You're right. It might not be yoga for them. It might be something else, but finding whatever it is that works for you, I think is really important. I think the fact that you made it one of your points on your agenda I think helped foster the conversation. I also give you a ton of credit over the fact that it was, you know, having the winter meeting in Philly in January. People forget, I think, at this point, now that it's warm out and things are relatively normal, but it was still dicey back then about whether or not we would have an in-person meeting, and you pulled that off. And there was an element of mindfulness and wellness as part of that meeting as well. And I just think having the conversation has helped normalize it within our practice of law. And instead of it being an unusual thing. It just becomes another aspect that we talk about. And people have that as a conversation. Instead of having to make it an agenda item so you cover it, it just becomes more incorporated into our day-to-day. And that was the hope, Baron, exactly, you know, to kind of make it a more day-to-day kind of situation. But, you know, we all know here that the practices change considerably because of our phones and the ability for clients, the office, to constantly be in touch with us. And it's so hard to pull away from it. That that wasn't the case 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you could at, at some point get away from it. So maybe you were kind of forced to have that mindfulness or set it aside. Now you can't. So now you have to make it a day-to-day. You have to kind of put it out in front of people and say, don't forget, you need to put that aside for a minute and take a long bike ride or hang out with your grandchildren or read a book or go swimming or whatever it might be. And it's only gonna get harder for us as the ability to contact and be in touch with people is going to get easier and easier. 
I mean, clients can find us everywhere. I mean, remember when we were home for 18 months or whatever it was during the height of the pandemic, you know, I don't know about you guys, but my clients have my cell phone because that's how they were able to get in touch with me. I wasn't in the office. So now I've, I've gotten to the point where it's a little bit more part of my practice where I am texting or I am contacting them on my cell phone versus the office. So now it's even harder. Now they know how to get in touch with me. Right. And, and now now it starts to have the conversation about setting expectations, creating boundaries with your clients. You know, yes, you can have my cell phone, but it's not a license to call me at any time of the day. Exactly. And I will say, for the most part, clients are pretty respectful of that. You know, I do find like I do have some I've heard from some attorneys that absolutely refuse to give out their cell phone. I have found that clients have been very respectful without me even having to say there's a limit. You can't do this. So there's hope for them yet. <laughs> oh, I draw the line at pro se litigants. I, I try to. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely. They do not have a cell phone. <laughs> no, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I trust clients. I trust counsel. Um, I think, and I think all of us, you know, probably understand the rules to play by about not giving out the contact information of opposing counsel. Like I could, you know, I'm not going to be texting anyone your cell phone number, Helen. <laughs> Good thing, Aaron. Good thing. <laughs> all right. Well, Helen, I'll tell you what, this was very helpful. The video, we're really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really useful tool for practitioners, judges, and clients. We look forward to seeing everyone here coming up at the section meeting. And unless you have any other parting words of wisdom, thank you so much. No, this, no, this no other parting words. Thank you guys for all that you're doing. This was fantastic. Tons of fun as always. And just so we're clear, so once this video is released, if you are a member of the PBA, you'll be able to go on the family law section and be able to have access to it and be able to share it with your clients as well. If you are a member of the PBA family law section, that is correct. Awesome. So if you haven't otherwise made plans to go to the summer meetings in Newport, maybe tough to do that now by the time you hear this, but try to make the effort if you can. Otherwise, keep posted at the PBA's website to be able to review the video and start to incorporate it into your practice. Uh, so with that, Helen, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Anthony. And I look forward to seeing you both in Newport. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Anthony. All right. Thank you. Law and the Family is a production of the Pennsylvania Bar Association Family Law Section. To learn more or to join the section, visit the Pennsylvania Bar Association website at pabar.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And to catch up on every episode, join us at anchor.fm slash law in the family. A reminder that nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create an attorney client relationship. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and the guests and don't necessarily represent those of the Pennsylvania Bar Association. Thanks for listening and tune in for future podcasts.